Hello, welcome. My name is Laura Lamary, and I wanted to create this uh, brief podcast about what I call the five secret sauce ingredients for real estate investors. And these are things that are a little bit out of the common place or common strategies of real estate investing. Um, or giving a new spin in some of the common strategies, you know, and uh, the common strategies are referred to are wholesaling, buying, hold, and fix and flip, or private money. So these are the most common strategies that most real estate investors uh, dabble with or get really well known and versed into the, in them. But uh, there is a different way of doing things nowadays, and I'm very good at uh, uh, spotting trends out there and seeing what's out there that is a little different because one of the things I love about real estate is the fact that there's, it is an ever-changing business. It's dynamic. It changes because of the economy. It changes because of perceptions, how people behave, what to expect. Um, and, uh, and so as an investor, if you know how to spot these different trends, if you know what's the best thing out there right now, then you can leverage and uh, exponentially grow. So let me get into these five ones and break them down one by one. So the first one that I like and I personally have been investing and also looking into lately more and more is uh, really investing with others. And what I mean by that is getting in a situation where uh, you basically put up the money and have a different outfit manage the, rent, the properties. And you still make money on uh, uh, as a quarterly dividends as a, as you would own a, or a monthly as you would do on a rental. But one of the things, and it's kind of a form of crowdfunding, and I know several of you have seen the terms, but it's becoming more open to uh, regular real estate investors. You know, in the past, when it came to real estate, crowdfunding was really reserved for accredited investors that had to show they had a certain amount of money put away uh, or in savings, but now it's coming available to the average investor. The one that has a few hundred dollars every month even to just dedicate to real estate and he wants to get into real estate more than any type of other financial investments like stocks or bonds. So there are companies out there, uh, the one and I have been personally investing lately is called Fundrise, F-U-N-D-R-I-S-C, where basically you just need $500 to start as an investor and you can choose which properties to invest. And then the company goes out there and invests in these properties and uh, you get uh, quarterly dividends, uh, you get, and also when they do sell the property, you get the percentage of the profits. Now, this type of investment, score, of course, is uh, more long-term. You know, you, um, you have to commit to a certain amount of time and uh, uh, because they're not going to buy and sell, they're not doing the fix and flip, they're, sell, they're buying these properties as rentals. But there is a lot of com there are a lot of companies like that, and I like that because it's a way to diversify investments without really having too much to worry about keeping control as it would be on a rental business, for example. So um, another thing that I uh, see a lot, obviously, 
we go back with rental property, you know, passive income. Uh, when you talk about real estate, um, it is about people really don't take it serious you, as an investor if you, don't, you say, well, I don't buy any rental property because you know, as long as real estate has been around as an investment, the people that actually made money from real estate were the landlords or the people that owned land, they own property, and it's nothing different nowadays. However, now we're going to discuss about people perceptions. Uh, people in the industry, people in society nowadays, their attention span is very short. You know, it's like the one of a goldfish, right? And uh, it, it, with more technology and more tools out there with social media, uh, we are trying to multitask with so much going on in our lives. And uh, again, we don't want to get involved too much with day-to-day -day operations or things that we can have somebody else deal with. So buying rental properties is definitely the most, uh, the best way to create stability and long-term growth and residual income and leave a legacy. But at the same token, a lot of us do not want to get into the active management or do not know who to trust as a manager. And so there are some issues there. Like I said, we are a more into a shared economy society where we have nothing against investing with others. So that brings that there are other platforms out there, like uh, I've been researching Roofstock, um, where you basically, they buy and you know they have the properties. And if you like the investments, you buy into the property and they manage the property and do everything so that you just get uh, part, a return for your investment. So that's a different way to buy rental properties. And like I said, you don't have to look for the property, you don't have to rehab it. Everything is done for you, it's turnkey. You just invest into a property, mainly single family homes, and you just get return on your money. Now, um, fix and flip, you know, it's been around, right? Uh, buying property, rehabbing them and selling them. However, uh, lately because of, uh, you know, we have to thank a lot TV for this with a lot of show on HGTV about fix and flips and these case studies about people, average people buying this home, fixing them up and all the drama that goes with it and then selling it. So it's become more mainstream. People see themselves more doing it than they used to do 20, 30 years ago. You know, it seems like it's more doable for the average person. And, uh, and it also fulfills a lot of uh, people that want to be interior designers or they love to turn things around and you know they want to always be an architect or an interior designer and now there is this possibility by average people doing it. So it satisfies, I think, an inner need, uh, especially a lot of women like me, to really go out there and say, well, you know, I've done as much as I can to my own house, <laughs> you know, and I have nothing to do with my own house. It's done, you know, all the fixing has been done. So let me go out and fix up another properties, right? And uh, uh, play around with it. So I think, you know, honestly, personally, I've, that's why I like to do that because I have a never ending supply of properties I can fix up and then sell and make money in the process. Um, so it's definitely a trend that is out there. My main thing is um, in this market, because things have changing or have been changing and are changing in the industry, uh, 
especially moving forward here with the uh, all the new year and you know in every 10 to 15 years you know there is a big change in the economy i mean that's historically so um my thing is you need to be really careful about the sweet spot in your area what i mean by sweet spot is what is selling in your area so you need to do some research about um, supply and demand what price range sells the most what is uh, really the market doing what is really not sitting around you know when you uh, fix a property and uh, and so you have to do some research and actually I wrote a blog post on my site about what is the sweet spot of real estate investing? And I suggest you read it to explain more what I mean by that. We, but it's really something that is important nowadays, okay? Or always been important, but even more so because we have ridden the wave of great economy, a lot of things happening positively in real estate for the last few years. But, you know, we're kind of the top of the wave right now and you know, things are going to change. So you want to make sure you're prepared against that. Okay, so the, another thing about making money is the real estate investment trust, the REIT as they call it. And uh, basically um, the recent investment trust is a is different from what I talked earlier about Fundrise, for example, where you, know, you put your money together with a company that buys real estate and then you get uh, a dividend or a part of the rental income and also part of the profits when they sell the properties, where with RITs, you actually, they're more like um, uh, securities based, you know, so you actually purchase stocks and bonds that are secured by real estate, and then you make money on the interest that people pay for these mortgages that are secured by the stocks and the bonds. So you really don't choose per se a specific piece of property like you do with some of the other ways we talked about you invest more in uh, instruments that are going to be used to issue mortgages and you get part of that uh, this has been around probably for the longest time um, there is a revival of interest into rates because of everything else going on with the economy in the markets, um, the thing is, I also want to point out that 90% of the wealth in the world has been created with real estate, and REITs have been a great part of that. You know, more than some of the other strategies I talked about. Uh, the real super rich that have made a lot of money in real estate have invested in some type of instruments in companies that are backed by these instruments and financing company. You know, one of the things that I, you need to realize that to become really rich in any type of business, doesn't mean if real estate, but even real estate is more so, it's not just by owning property, but it's making money on the money that you have invested with the properties. And so that's why REITs come into place because you're really making money about placing funds out there to support real estate, you know? So that's the true wealth. That's the true wealth. And that's why it seems like the people, the richer they get, the less they work, is because really they're just making their money work for them. They don't work for the money. Where the average real estate investor, you know, goes out there and uh, gets into real estate and buys property, manages properties, fix up properties. But the real estate investor that really makes the big bucks is the one that controls the money. And I know this from experience because when about 20 years ago, when I got into real estate syndication, 
when I got into really using the private money and connected with people that had the money to invest in real estate, I was still making money as a flipper and, uh, you know, and on properties. However, most of my, I made even more money by really controlling this money and investing this money in assets. So because there are different type of fees that go into that, like, you know, you become, there are acquisition fee, disposition fees, there are asset management fees. There's so many fees you can build into that. And uh, so at the end of the day, you do less work, but you make more money. Okay. So what happened is I was actually making three, four times more money per year doing that than I was doing fix and flips and wholesaling. Although those were crucial to my business too, because I was using the money to do fix and flips and provide property. So I was kind of playing both. <laughs> so, you know, if we go into a, like a fundraise situation, it would be me going out there and say, okay, I find the property, I fix up the property, you put up the money for the property, I sell the property, uh, you get a percentage of the rental income, I keep this percent. So I was making money on both sides because I was rehabbing, but I was also using the money and making money on that. But that's where the real wealth comes in. You know, it, you have at some point in your real estate business, you are going to um, find out that, you know, as well as you're doing with, as a landlord, as a flipper, as a wholesaler, whatever the strategy you're doing, you're not gonna really be able to grow exponentially doing less work if you don't add something else to it. And the people, like I said, that really made money in real estate are the ones that know how to use other people's money and make money using other people's money in a big way. And that's what REITs are about, okay? So I think that, that, you know, give you some thought here that to take away from the standard way of thinking about real estate, okay? So in the last, uh, ingredient, secret sauce ingredient for real estate investor that, is, that has got a lot of talk about lately is um, uh, vacation rentals, right? So you hear a lot of people talking about Airbnb or VRBO, uh, but you know, even in the other industries, like for cars, you have Uber, you have Turo for boats, you have uh, boat shares, um, there for RVs, you have RV share, you know? So there is a shared mentality. And I now goes back to people perception and how people view things different in, in any, in life in general. But there is there definitely a shared mentality. And so people look now at real estate and say, okay, you know, I can make more money as a landlord renting out um, as a um, vacation rental, which you can in the right areas, than doing regular rentals, plus, you know, it's a less problems. I don't have to worry about the tenants or pay the rent because the rents are collected by a third party. I don't have to worry about, you know, the difficult, difficult tenants, you know, because again, you don't have to deal with all the parts of the business. Your interaction with the tenants is minimum. It's all gonna be done via phone, via apps. And so it makes your life easier. You can do it from anywhere in the world. And so that's why people like rentals. And I totally agree with it uh, in the major part. Uh, there's something about it that I always say for any real estate investing strategy, um, you have to see the test of time. Uh, is it going to really last? 
right? Is this gonna be a trend that's gonna be around in the next 10, 20, 30 years? So you don't wanna build an empire of vacation rentals and then all of a sudden there are legislations that are gonna pull that away from you. You know, no more vacation rentals allowed because of all these issues we've had or whatever. Because obviously like with Uber, where cab companies have issues with that because it's taken away from business with that, there is hotels. You know, in some cities right now, Airbnbs are not allowed anymore because hotels are losing business or some HOA, you know, homeowner associations are against this because they say, well, you know, these people that come here and stay here a couple of nights are not definite, they're not screened and we don't want a lot of transient going through the community. So as a landlord, it's a great strategy. Right now works great. However, keep an eye and say, you know, worst case scenario, if I had to rent this property, it, I would still make a good money. It was still cash flow. Maybe not as good as if it was a vacation rental, but it's still worth it for me to buy it. So, you know, great vacation rentals works great now. Just keep an eye on what the industry is going to do. Uh, check the test of time. And buy, always, always with real estate, doesn't matter if you do buy and hold, fix and flip, whatever you're doing, always buy with the worst case scenario in mind. You know, with fix and flip. If I had to fix the house and do a fire sale on this house, would I still be able to at least recover my cost? With a rental, if I had to rent at market rent because vacation rentals is not way to go anymore would I still be able to cash flow so you know always look at the worst case scenarios uh, but you know these are five things that I kind of stick out there that I wanted to point out and I call in the secret sauce because these are weapons that you can have as a real estate investors in your arsenal of strategies and uh, maybe you know Experiment with some of them, like I am doing right now, and uh, see where it takes you. You know, it's and anything else, anything new you're doing in real estate, just keep your toes in it, see how it goes for you. Because at the end of the day, is what you are comfortable with, what you like, what you enjoy, what is your risk level or tolerance, and uh, and always be that. You know, it's, I'm I'm a risk taker only up to a certain point, and I think one of the reasons that I have survive and thrive in this business as long as I have is because I've always been very careful about my tolerance and risk level and I'm not a big risk takers okay thanks again hopefully this podcast uh, opened up a few possibilities here and gave you some interest or highlights on what is going out in the industry and maybe now you can look at things a little different and uh, as always, please check out my website, uh, lauraalamiri.com. I have a ton of good articles there for you to read. I always come up with new and clever things. I'm always out there keeping my radars on and see what's going on in the industry and bring this to my readers. Thanks again, and hopefully I get to talk to you again very soon.